You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banner with the Boys. NFL Championship Sunday has come and gone. We are on to the granddaddy of them all. But what a weekend of football we did have. As always, got my main man Smelty with me here today. How we doing? How we feeling? You know, just a bright, sunshiny day in Minnesota. Actually, it was a little cloudy today, but some sunshine yesterday and tomorrow, which is supposed to be 52 degrees and we are, what What the heck is the date tomorrow? 29th or something? 31st tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, wow. I guess I'm a couple days behind. But, uh, wow. January 31st in Minnesota, allegedly. And it's going to be 52 degrees. I just, I can't believe it. I just had to share that with anybody that's not here. Yeah, for you non-locals out there, well, Minnesota's obviously the state of hockey, right? So they had hockey day this past weekend. Have you remembered a hockey day that didn't have snow? No, absolutely not. No. Like, it's just not a thing. No. Not even that it didn't have snow. It's like, we barely have ice. You can't even really go ice fishing right now. You should not. Yeah. You shouldn't be. <laughs> you should not be going ice fishing right now. You might fall in. It's just crazy right now. Crazy right now. But let's move on to what people here are here to listen for, and that is Championship Sunday. Championship Sunday started off with our game of the week. The Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Baltimore, taking on the Ravens. Ravens coming in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Both you and I, Smeltzy, thought the Ravens were going to cover that three-and-a-half. Boy, they did not. Chiefs end up winning this game as the underdog, 17-10. What a wild game, Smeltzy. Yeah, championship Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Kids, seats, chips, five bucks. But really, they were probably really expensive. But anyway... Um, yeah, I cannot believe the Ravens honestly lost this game. They were the bona fide number one seed in the AFC pretty much the whole year until maybe the Bills could have challenged for it at the end of the year. But like, I I expected way more from that offense. I think the defense played pretty well, but are you kidding me? Like Lamar Jackson said, he's not frustrated about the game. He's angry. As you should be. As you should be. Between you and the rest of your teammates making all these mistakes, I mean, that's that's the reason why the Chiefs won the game. The most mistakes lost the game. I, I mean, absolutely. And not only that, Patty Mahomes continued to show why he is just that, Patty Mahomes. I mean, he, he was just, I can't sit here and say torching them because he only threw for 241 on 30 completions. Only threw the ball 39 times. Pretty darn good completion percentage, but... They don't have the ability to stretch the field, and they're finding out ways to just sit underneath and win. And that's, I I guess, how you expose this Ravens defense that's been so darn good, especially in the later half of the year. And to hold, you know, to hold that offense to 10 points, that's just wild to me. If you were to tell me that the scores of this weekend's games were going to be 17-10 and 34-31, I'm 100% taking the money. On the nine or the the Chiefs Ravens game being that thirty four thirty one, yeah, 100%. never would I think this game was a twenty seven point game point total like that. That is just insane to me. No, and I mean Kansas City's defense, I mean, just shows why they've also been getting disrespected, you know, towards the end of the season and now into the playoffs. Like nobody's talking about Kansas City's defense really as much. I don't hear much about them. It's always about Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do with the little bit he has. Um, but I mean, Rashi, what is it? Rashi Rice? I don't want to say his name. Yeah, Rashi. Rashi. No D. Rashi Rice. I didn't say D. (laughs) Rashi. No, yeah, yeah. It's just confusing. Rashi Rice and then, uh, MVS. I mean, you don't, you're not expecting crazy stuff from those guys, but now Rice is stepping up to the point where he might be a more consistent player next year. But anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm going off, going off topic here. But like, again, as I was just starting talking about the offense, nobody's talking about Kansas City's defense. Why is that? Is it just the the Mahomes effect on offense? He just it just overshadows the team as a whole. Kansas City's defense never gets the credit they always deserve, especially when come playoff time. Like there's never a team that's going to be more prepared and ready to go than this Steve Spagnuolo led Kansas City defense, and he's done nothing but show that time over time over time. But they never get their credit. You know they're never going to have the gaudy numbers 
being the top two or three points, you their, know. Their, their gaudy numbers is in the win column. Exactly. That's all you need. You know, and, and it's not even that they're a bend-not-break defense. They're not. They have studs at key positions. Legereus Sneed, you can make an argument, was the best cornerback in the NFL this year. Chris Jones is a top two, three defensive interior lineman. Nick Bolton's turning into a top five inside linebacker. You know, they don't have a safety that's going to jump off the stat sheet on you, but they have foundational pieces, and they just never get their flowers. No, they really don't. And what is it? I'm going somewhere with this, so bear with me, but was it Tony Romo that was commentating this game? Do you remember? Tony I thought. I thought I remembered his voice, but, like, he said two things that stuck out to me about the Chiefs. He said that this defense is the best defense that Mahomes has had since he's been there, and that's a scary thought. I don't know about that. I don't know if I would agree but with it's, that. But it's kind of interesting coming from, yes, Tony Romo, who's never won a Super Bowl, but it, it is interesting, like, hearing that coming from Romo. And I got one more thing for you, but but, but what's what's your thought on that? I, I don't know if it's the best just because of how good. I mean, I don't remember what year it was, what, but when Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, when they had Tyron Matthew back there, that team, the second half of the year, and then in the playoffs, was one of the best defenses that doesn't get talked about. But again, another Chiefs defense that's under the radar. Exactly. But, but if these guys stick together, who knows? I, I mean, and that's the thing about this Chiefs D. You have those foundational pieces, but outside of that, like nobody screams off the you know the page as a stud or a star in the NFL. So it's it's the scheme itself. Like Spags just schemes so well against that opposing offense. And I'm not taking anything away from Drew Tranquil, but like he's a different player. In that scheme than he was for the Chargers. 100%. He was a good player. He was a decent player, a role player, nah, a fill-in guy for the Chargers who started here and there. But, like, in Kansas City, like, this this whole playoff run, he's looked amazing. And that's because Willie Gay hasn't been able to be on the field. And, it, like, Drew Tranquil's been, you know, I'm not going to say the heart and soul of the defense because that would have to belong to... Chris Jones. But it is weird. It kind of, yeah. Making big plays in big moments. Like, to think that, like, we're talking about Drew Tranquil right now. Even even that (laughs) is... There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, So, the one other thing that Tony Romo said that stuck out to me was what makes Travis Kelsey so good is he's... Not to go back to the offense here quick, um, but I just want to say it before I forget it, uh, is that what makes Travis Kelsey so good is that he's able to find that the soft spot in the defense time in and time again. Like, that that's why he's so good. That's why he's such a good option. He is, and it's its not only that. It's like him and Mahomes are on the exact same page at all times where you have, you could have a, a, an option route that has three, maybe four options at the end of the route based on the coverage and where people are, and both of them know exactly where they're going each and every time, and that's why you see him so open. It's not that he's creating separation from these receivers. It's right. he's running like perfect routes that are matched with Mahomes' perfect, perfect ability throw. to get the ball yeah. right there. And he catches the ball, and there's five, six yards be before good him and everybody else. There might still be good defense, though. And or it, there's the throws just perfectly and, on the spot, yeah. right where he knows Kelsey's going to be, where his big paws are going to be. Yeah. And it just makes it happen. And 11 receptions on 11 targets. They don't miss in the playoffs. No, dude, that that was an outstanding showing from from both of them. But like, yeah, the eleven catches on eleven targets was ridiculous. Just just insane. And so I got something real quick for you. Do you think that Mahomes and Kelsey are, I mean, better at this point, like a better tandem than like Tom Brady and Gronk in the playoffs? Uh, yes. I I, I would specifically bet- in the playoffs, like. Overall, who knows? I, overall, to me, they're, I'd give, they're pretty overall close. I'd give it to Kelsey just because of sure. Gronk's health. Um, sure, sure. But, I mean, you're talking just playoffs. Like, the appearances are, are right on par. It's not like Kelsey's playing this many more games than, than there. And they they both play the same position. They both get the same or similar results. You know, they're never going to average 10, 11, 14 yards a catch. Like, that's just not their their style of play. Mm-hmm. But they're completely different types of tight end. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Bronk won say, with his physicality. Right, I was going to say, I would say Kelsey's a better route runner. And But Kelsey's also not near the run blocker of Gronk, because Gronk's run blocking ability was never talked about and how underrated Elite. it was. Like, it was just stupid good. Um, the, but Kelsey, like, you don't talk about his run blocking ability because he's so good as a receiver, but he's a top blocking tight end in the league. You know, he's not on Kittle's level. No. But nobody is. I mean, how many tight ends are Probably pancaking? Probably not on Andrews level either, but I think Mark Andrews is a pretty good run blocker too. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I would definitely but agree with that. Other than that, I don't... But, mm. I mean, yeah, nonetheless, but it's just like... And it's just a special tandem to watch, and boy, is it fun to watch, man. No. It's just special to see. It is a special tandem. And so, like, I, I play, you know, online games with a bunch of people, blah, 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 whatever. So my buddy Dave in Pensacola, shout out, he was like, does it make a difference that Tom Brady and Gronk did it also in Tampa Bay? Does that make them over the top of Kelsey and Mahomes? And for him, it did. For me, I was like, absolutely not. But does that make a difference for you that they were able to continue on? Like, that just shows how good Brady and Gronk were good together. Like, their chemistry, how good it was. They were able to go to another team, another system, and repeat repeat it. No, I mean, I mean, it, it weighs absolutely nothing in in my opinion on it. I mean, yes, it's a new team, new coach, same system. They incorporated Brady's system when he got in there. Bronk was only successful in the playoffs with the Bucks. He didn't really play during the year. He didn't need to. They saved him True. specifically just for the playoffs. True. And where he ate, but where was but where was he eating? He was eating in the red zone. It's it, the scheme is so simplified at that point where you could have the whatever scheme you want, and Gronk still runs an out route. And Brady puts the ball where it needs to be, or you run a baby fade. And Brady puts the ball where it needs and to Gronk's be, and it's Rob Gronkowski. And he's just going to be big and go get it. So the, the coaching scheme, the, the the coach, the team is irrelevant in that opinion. In my in, in that sure. regard, in my sure. No, I was just curious. You I was know, just curious. so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's worth it, it's it's interesting bringing it up, but um, but I, I think that's enough said about this game here, Smelty. You know, the Ravens just they, they came out flat. They didn't come out like they they had been showing, and you know they paid well, the price. Well, real quick before, like, what do the Ravens? What's their next step? Like, yes, they flowers fumbled at the end zone, which was whack. Do you think that rule should be changed? I do not. But where it fumbles out of the end zone and now it's a touchback. Oh uh, yeah, I think that rule's stupid. You do? Yeah. Why? Um, because it's you're penalizing a player for trying to make a play. I guess like like it's I don't know I mean I it, it it's so I guess situational at the same time it, it it's 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 an interesting topic because it's going to be a topic of discussion sure and it's just I don't like like yeah the defense is making a play like the defense is making a play and causing that to happen but in the same regard so what do you do do you give the ball back to the receiver where they had it so the the offense just gets the ball back at the goal line do you put the offense back at the twenty. Like, I don't see where you could overrule, like, turn that rule into something that's, you know, and at the end of the day, it's a rule. The offense at the 20 is interesting. I'll give you that. But, like. But then what would it be? First and 10 at the 20? I don't know. That's weird, right? Because, and my thing is just, like, there's so many uh, rules and penalties that that are, you know, offensive. uh, What's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, Not focus. I guess offensive focus. But, like, uh. The, I, I don't bias. know. The, yeah, yeah. Offensive bias. Like, the defense almost gets nothing half the time. It's like... Yeah, you look at the defensive is, pass interference is, versus an OPI. Yeah, right. This is one thing that the defense actually gets. Like, it, did they control the fumble to go out of bounds? Not necessarily. It just happened to go that way. But, like... But, again, it's not like the player's the doing it on their gets. own. Right. The defense is causing it to happen. Right. And, I mean, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, like, if you were to look at the stats, because I'm sure there's out there, there's stats for anything... How often, because in that situation, like, it has to be the ball is advancing forward for it to go out of bounds. If you were to look at the stats, how many times has the ball fumbled forward that the defense recovers that they're stripped of that opportunity because they're out of the field? Right. You know? Right. I'm well, sure those stats are heavily in the defensive favor in terms of who's recovering that ball if it's in the middle of the field. For sure, the and that's just it, right? How often does it actually go out of the back of the end zone? We saw it, what, twice this playoffs? I don't know if I remember ever seeing it. I'm sure it's happened plenty of times, and I'm just, you know, tripping. But, like... I just don't think you change it, but I just, I don't know that when we talked about that, I just wanted to get your opinion about that. I forgot to ask you last week, but so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. And I think it's going to warrant too much of a discussion as it deserves. No, for sure. Um, but let's move on to the NFC game. So for the record, Smelty and I both had the Ravens in that game, um, covering that three and a half and they lost by seven. So zero and one to start the day or start Ooh. the week. Uh, moving over to the NFC side of the ball or NFC side of the league here, the Detroit Lions storybook ending finally came to a halt in San Francisco as the 49ers beat the Lions 34-31, and the Lions, or as the the Niners were favored by seven in that game. Huge spread for a championship game. I stupidly picked the Lions to cover that spread, and Smelty did not. Um, no, you picked the Niners to cover that spread. That's what I meant spread. to say. Thank you for the correction there, sir. 
Um, but what a game we had here, Smelty. They started off just wild with the Lions just jumping on the Niners, 17-0 to just start the game. And then Dan Campbell's going to Dan Campbell. Yeah, and that's just it, right? Like, at half, um, you know, you're you're up 24-7, to dude. Like, there's no reason. Like, don't take your foot off the gas, which they didn't because of Dan Campbell. And we'll, we'll touch on all the Dan Campbellness uh, in a little bit here. But, um, like, as far as the rest of the players, too, just too many mistakes, you know, in general. The fumbles, the, it's just too many, too many mental mistakes, too. It, it's just too many. The drops were bad. Josh Reynolds in, in that, particular. Yeah, in that third quarter. Yeah, I remember. I know exactly which one it's you're talking about. It's just like, it's just too many mistakes. They couldn't, they couldn't overcome their mistakes. And it's crazy to see a team like that implode that was literally dominant in the first half. Like, did nothing, nothing was going to stop the lines. I honestly didn't think the... The Niners had a chance in the second half. The way it was going, I, I didn't count them out, but I honestly were, was like, "There's no way they win this game." Yeah, this, this game blew me away. <clears throat> Not only from the Lions just jumping out and getting on top of them like they did, and I, I really didn't think the Niners had a fighting chance after that. Um, just be, especially because Shanahan has not shown to win from behind. Um, and then you know this this is a game of two halves, hundred percent a game oh. of two halves. Oh, the classic example of a game of two halves. Yeah, the Niners came out. I wouldn't even necessarily say they came out flat. Lions were making big plays, and they just couldn't find... They couldn't stop a nosebleed. The Lions were capitalizing on every blown coverage assignment, everything, dude. They were, they were capitalizing on every single thing. No mistakes that first half by Detroit on either side of the ball. They were firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and Detroit had... Like, it was like 130 or 150 rushing yards in the first half alone. It was just an un, just otherworldly number. David Montgomery, they just couldn't simply stop. Jameson Williams had the huge play. That guy is just a cheetah on the field. And it's just, it's crazy that the Lions lost this game. It's just, it's just they got to the second half, and then it's like the Motor City Kitties engine seized. You know? That's pretty much, that's pretty much how it happened, dude. Like, there's, there's no way around it. Now, I will say, like, Brock Purdy... Hmm. managed the game properly as the game went on. And, I mean, he did lead him down there. I'm I'm still not sold on Brock. I'm sorry, I'm not. But, like, he's playing for the Super Bowl in two weeks. There's something to be said about that. There is something to be said about that. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> um, Go on. I, uh, Brock Purdy... <sighs> It's hard not to give him his... Fl- he deserves the flowers of, of where he's he put does. the team at this point. But yes. how much of the... Ha- he has put the team, has he put the team, right? He's surrounded by so much talent. Like you take Christian McCaffrey out of this game, do they, a fan- do they stand a fighting chance of winning this game? I don't know. I don't know about that. His, his big playability on any time he touches the ball, yeah, we can look at the stats and hindsight 2020, blah, blah, blah. But like... I need McCaffrey on the field in that offense. They, they have no chance of winning this game mm-hmm. in the deficit they had specifically the, well, yes. without McCaffrey. You could say the same about Debo and his importance this game. This game, absolutely, hundred percent. And I'm, I'm like, I've not been a Debo hater, but I haven't been like on his train as much. But he is like, as you've said multiple times, he is that Swiss Army knife. Like he's, he's that multi-tool that you you have to have in your tool. He's game changer. He is. He absolutely can be. He absolutely can be. His explosiveness is ridiculous. It's yeah. It's it's in, it's insane. And I, you know what did impress me with Brock, but but you know like saying that it's, I I think the word game manager gets so much more hate than it deserves, oh, because it it's like it's, to me there's not a negative connotation with a game manager. Yeah, if you're called a good game manager, how could that possibly be a negative thing? Like, exactly, you're doing... Again, look at the win column. He managed the team to 12 wins. Yeah, and you, you do what you need to do to put your position in a team... In a position, or to put your team in a position to win and not make the mistakes to cost your team the game, right? That That's what a game manager is. When you need him to go make a play, you rely on the playmakers that you have around that game manager, right? It's it's like... I, I don't know, I mean... So, how I, how I always look at when we're looking at this, right... You take a quarterback that is 
in the same regard that 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 the player A here is held, right? In this in this specific take, we're taking Brock Purdy as a top-tier quarterback. So he's in the likes of <clears throat> the Josh Allens. The uh, okay, let's not eat, let's go a tier below that, right? I think Josh Allen and Mahomes are kind of in a league at their own at this point. You can put a okay. healthy Burrow in there, Good save. Um, Good save. but it's like you put you put. But he, you're saying he's tier two though. So like high what I, tier what I, two. I, I'm not necessarily saying that from my personal opinion. That's where he's regarded in say like the social aspect of everything, right? Yeah. So he's yeah. in. Yep. He's in the tiers of you know the Jalen Hurts, the Lamar Jacksons, the Tua's that that second tier. How I look at it is if you take one quarterback and you swap teams. Let's say Jordan Love, for example. You put Brock Purdy on the Packers this year and Love on the Niners. You think the Packers are in the playoffs? I personally, no. You put Jordan Pers- Love on the Niners. No. You think that they have yes. any sort of like deficiency from what they have with Purdy? I think you still see the, the what Love has learned throughout the season because he's consistently gotten better. I would say, so I think you still see. I'd say at a far more advanced rate with the weapons around him. Yes, I would agree. And he, the he had. He did not have much to work with with the Packers. Now, they've now realized and found some pieces yeah, absolutely. that will be nice going into next season that now you can start game planning around because you know exactly what you're going to get from them now at this point, if not more. And but you've, if you put Brock with those same guys at the beginning of the season, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And that, that could just be me sounding like I'm hating on Brock. Maybe, so, but I just... Th- there's one more key thing here that doesn't get talked about in this circle enough, and... The 49ers have an all-world defense. Packers don't have an all-world defense. You don't fire your D coordinator if you have an all-world defense. You know, so it's like, so that you also, like, you can count on the Niners to go make a stop when you need them to. And the Niners did that in the second half of that game until, you know, almost considered garbage time at that point where Detroit got that one at the end. But, like, dude, they, they locked it down that whole second half. Detroit's offense, yes, there was miscues from them, but, like, the defense took advantage of those. They absolutely did. They couldn't do, they, the Dolphins could do nothing for Detroit. Yeah. The, the halftime adjustments from Steve Wilkes, if I'm not mistaken, is the D coordinator for um, San Francisco. The halftime adjustments were incredible. You know, they couldn't get the ball. They couldn't get the run game going. And if you can't get the run game going in this offense in the lions, you can't rely on just the passing game. They have one all, all world beater in Amon Ross St. Brown. You have a stud in Sam Laporta, but the Niners have two studs at inside linebacker at Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner to try to take that Laporta aspect out of it. And then you double team Amon Ross St. Brown and you have to rely on Josh Reynolds to drop two passes. Huge, right. huge right. Which he's caught, he's caught most of those this season, to be honest with you. He hasn't been that bad. Absolutely. It's just, it's like, it's just the big moment was just too big for Detroit. Yeah. It was, and if you're a Detroit fan, this time around, you have to be nothing but happy with how this season went. You can question the the decision making, which we will touch on here later in the pod. Um, you, you can question that, but you have to be nothing but happy with how, what the team is. You don't have any, you know, the team's still pretty young and intact. They're they're going to be a team to to kind of reckon with here for the, the the foreseeable future, and that's something you can say as a Lions fan in my 31 years of existence. I mean, next season they're probably already favored as the NFC North champs yeah, next probably year not by with the, the media. By the media, I would imagine the Lions still edge the Packers. Now, between me and you, I do think the Packers can challenge them for the division. I think the Vikings are a solid third, depending on what they do at quarter. Now, if Kirk Cousins comes back, I do think the Vikings could make a run and challenge both teams. I think the Bears probably draft Caleb Williams and start rebuilding, but so I don't think they're a factor at this point, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm I see. I think the, I think the Packers are going to come in as the favorite, even in the media, simply because of the last 30 years. The, you you have to weigh fair, that in. Which is fair. <laughs> you should probably weigh that. And with just like the, the, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm curious now though. Um, yeah, the the Bears talk is going to be what the, the crazy thing is is if you think about like the season and how it was unfolding, the NFC North was regarded as one of the worst divisions in football in, in the early portion of the year. Which is crap you know, cuz they're really not when you look at them as a whole. So in the early portion of the year, you look at them as a whole, the Lions were the only team that was worth talking yes. about. Yes. Back. Packers were in a drought, Vikings were in a drought, Bears have been in a drought since 86. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> 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 Um but even the Bears, you look Devin at the second half of the year as the Bears. 
It's the, I mean, to think that the Bears had eight wins this year. Sorry, seven wins this year. And they were, and they, they were playing well, actually, at the end of the season. They were playing teams they well. They were. So, if I'm the Bears, I don't take Caleb Williams. Again, we can talk. That's a discussion on for that, another time. But like, <laughs> but, like, they played well at the end of the season. So, they, I mean, they could. Who knows? The Bears could finish second next year in the division. I don't know. I don't it's, think so. But I, I guess where I was going with that is like you, you you simply can't say the same now going into next year and how the season unfolded. True. Like the NFC North is going right. to be a powerhouse. It will be, as it always will be. It should be. That is the black and blue part of football is the NFC North. It's the two North divisions. It, it does run through, unfortunately, I hate to say this, it does run through the frozen tundra, but like that is that is like just, oh, man. That that's just it's black like I said, black and blue history, man. NFC North, it's they're gonna run down your throat. And now Jordan Love might change that to throwing over the top. Oh, I love it, Smelty. Shut I up. love Shut it, up. Smelty. Shut up. Move I on. love it, Smelty. <laughs> I already got my love jersey pre or no, I'm just playing. I probably will get a love jersey though. We You'll gotta sign one. him though. You'll have, we gotta yeah, we gotta true. get him back. we gotta get him out of Connie before. True. Um so rumor actually has it just quick on that, is that the the rumors, obviously they're rumors came out and were saying that the Packers are looking to make Love one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Holy sh- Do you think they should do that? Yeah, um, should he be paid upwards of Josh Allen, Patty Mahomes' no, no, money? No, no. Uh, that kind of money? N- Lamar no. Jackson money? Deshaun Watson money? Danny Dimes money, probably? Yeah, I mean, that that's just the, the unfortunate side of things is Danny Dimes is now regarded as, like, the market value just because of how stupid that contract was. <laughs> um, so, but, um, you know, with, with what he did in the second half of this season, he showed that he has all of the tools, the fundamentals, the, the everything you're looking for, right, in terms of potential and what he could be. He, he, he could work his way into consistently top three to top five quarterback in the NFL for the next eight years. Holy crap, for the next eight. Wow. Starting next year, top three to top five? Um, no, I... I Top five. I mean, I I would say if you look at from week twelve, week eleven towards the end of the year this year, he was a top three quarterback in the NFL. Sure. Now there's eighteen weeks in a season. You can't go off of six, seven math, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, but the only thing you can do is like the what you saw in the growth with how we developed within the system, got the talent or not the talent, got the trust in the receivers and like how young they are. Like there's only room for them to grow right now, so yeah, I could I, I I could very easily see as early as next year you have a top five quarterback in in Jordan Love. Okay, and hey, that's worth a top two contract. First. Yeah, you heard it here first. Tyler says he's going to be top five quarterback. I said he could be. Could, yeah, true facts. He did say could. <laughs> he did say could. Um, yeah, and it. I don't know. I mean, I just don't see how that wouldn't happen because we're not losing anybody, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, that wraps up Championship Sunday in the NFL season. Uh, for the record, Smelty did catch me this week. I was 0-2, being how I picked the Niners to cover. Smelty ended up being 1-1, so for the playoffs, Smelty has a two-win advantage on me. I am 3-9, and so I really hope you loyal listeners are not loyal to our betting, at least on my sake. And Smelty in at 5-7. and seven. So for the season, Smelty jumped me. He jumped me. He's one game ahead. I'm coming in at 22 and 27. Smelty at 23 and 26. We could tie at the end of the year. Well, I was going to say, we got one game left, though. We got one game left. We could tie at the end of the year, or you could catch me by two. We Or we could end at what it is if we agree. We shall true, see. True. Well, that's all we have for you for that um, this past week of football. We're going to move on to Tent Talk. 911, what's your emergency? All right, let's break down some tent talk. So, as always, we typically do start with the injuries. However, this week, there's no injuries worth talking about. Um, You know, we have no real injuries that came from that game. The people that are kind of working through injuries, Willie Gay, for example, and the Chiefs, we got two weeks for them to come back. So, any report we see right now is not going to be accurate to what we're going to see in two weeks. So, no injuries we're going to talk about here. We're going to switch over to some news um, you know, we, we really haven't had a lot of news now that a lot of the head coaching gigs have been filled, but one prior head coach, the former Atlanta Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith, going to Pittsburgh to be the offensive coordinator. Boy, Smeltzy, do I love that for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is actually a low, a really low key, like good move, to be honest with you. 
Because if you don't remember, before the Falcons head coaching gig, he was the OC for the Titans and led uh, Derrick Henry to one of the highest scoring Titan teams in in years. He led Derrick Henry to a 2,000-yard rushing season. Right, right. So now if you look at it, he's going to a team that's got Najee and Jalen Warren. Uh, and that is an offense right now that really needs a solid rushing attack to open up that passing attack a little bit more for Pickett or whoever decides whoever's going to be Pittsburgh's quarterback. But, dude, I think I think this is a low, an underrated move that's going to fly under the radar just because he lost his head coaching gig. But I I think this is a huge move. So not only that, can you name a, a Titans team or this Atlanta Falcons team for Artie Smith that he's had a Deontay Johnson? A George Pickens and a Pat Fryermuth at tight end. No, dude, dude, he's got he has weapons. It's whether or not for me, it's whether or not Kenny Pickett takes that next step forward. That's going to be the big thing. I think that's the biggest aspect. Otherwise, like Mason Rudolph showed, and now he also showed why he shouldn't be the starter. But he showed that if Kenny Pickett falters, they could turn to him. They shouldn't, but they could. They could. He showed enough when he was playing well enough. I hate Mason Rudolph. Because the whole Miles Garrett thing, and I just, I, I, I'll never forget that. It was crazy. But, like, I don't know. I, I'm curious because people are not happy with Pickett's play. It's like, what, this was year two for Pickett? This was year two for Pickett. Yeah. He got hurt. He missed a lot of the I year. Mean, I've, I've said. Smelty, you got you, you to gotta look at who this guy has had as an offensive no, coordinator. I know, right? Like, and, right. The, the, this offensive play system was so freaking bad, bro. When they made the switch, Pickett was already done. So we had, we right. didn't even win the Steelers' offense, in quotations, turned it around and actually looked like a decent offense and, in the NFL. And Pickens was going off. Pickens was going off. Johnson was scoring touchdowns. Harris had his... Najee actually had some yards. Yeah, you know? yeah Najee He wouldn't have got to 1,000 yards without that. Yeah. So, and like, Pickett wasn't the quarterback. Yeah, Mason Rudolph, he ain't a quarterback in the NFL. Let's not go there. I'm going Pickett over Mason Rudolph any day of the week. But I think this year is a make or break year for Kenny Pickett. And even and even Jalen Warren, like, he had seven hundred and eighty four yards. Yeah. And he and, I mean, do you have you have it in front of you there? How many receiving yards did he have? Jalen Warren? Yeah. Let's take a peek here. He had three hundred and seventy receiving yards. So he was yards. over a thousand scrimmage yards on this year. So yeah. you have two backs over a thousand scrimmage yards and you give him an Artie Smith, even with a, a not porous, but a a, a poor Kenny Pickett. You rely on those two running the ball, you're going to be just it's fine when you have that system. It, it will help pick it out. I think yeah. we will see a different picket next year. And like you said, he did get injured. Like, do you remember what the injury was? No, I don't. I, I don't I, follow I the Steelers, so I can't remember. But like, no big deal. But like, it is imagined that he will be back for the week one next season. Oh, 100%. And, and I would imagine we're going to see a way different Steelers offense adding to a defense that's already not really not that bad. Oh, the Steelers offense is good. Steelers de- this de- defense. I'm sorry. The Steelers defense is the only reason they made the playoffs. Right. They're not. They're not that bad. Now, if you can fix that offense, we could. We could see them returning to the playoffs again next year after all the rumblings of Mike Tomlin might be X and A. Blah blah blah, which is a bunch of crap. Um, but yeah, no, I don't want to continue on on the same thing. But I just, I think that's a really underrated move. Yeah, I think this is the best thing Tomlin could have done to like squash all the rumors. Yes. Hundred percent. They're ready to go. Not that go. he needs to. He's Mike freaking Tomlin, dude. I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I'm there with you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move over then to some somewhat surprising move. Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit. He was one of the hot. That came out today, actually. Uh, that he was one of the hottest names on the market. He's a young, bright, offensive mind. Everybody loves that because of that McVay Shanahan. You know what they've branched out and what people have done and accomplished now. Um, so quite surprising he's staying in Detroit. Now, the one thing that's not in Mr. Johnson's favor, the team lasted so long, six of the positions were already filled by the time he had a chance to even interview or, like, you know, accept a, accept a job. So you're picking between the Seahawks and the Commanders. I don't know if I would necessarily make that move yet either. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's what it is? Just the the opportunities that were available when he was available to be hired, or do you think it's more or less like he's bought into what Detroit's doing at least for one more season or a little little of both? I think it's kind of a combination of both. You know, if you look at both teams, the Seahawks are in a position right now where, where, where you take over, you're in a really, that was the second best 
making you can make a strong argument for Atlanta in there too, but the the, the second best coaching option, in my opinion, behind the Chargers. Yep, sure. Um, yeah. You know, because they have talent galore on offense. They, they have a defense that's young and upcoming, two they, studs they, on the they outside. They have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would be a good position, um, especially for a young, bright offensive mind and, you know, with the offense that they have and the pieces they have. So It just makes you wonder why not, though. Yeah, that that's very true, and and that's where I think it goes into play here. That you know he is bought into that Campbell system, and you know, and at the end of the day, he is really young. He will get that opportunity again next year. Maybe get a year of another coaching experience, just as an OC. Maybe learn a little bit more from how Campbell actually runs the team versus just you know runs the offense. Maybe we'll start seeing products of Dan Campbell now, starting to. Scoot around the NFL and his coaching lot. style. Yeah, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for the Lions, is interviewing with the Commanders. He's in the head coaching yeah. ranks right now too. Yeah. So yeah, you're exactly right. That's wild. <laughs> like he could be the next. You know, I don't know who you want to even say. There, there's plenty of coaches that have had coaches go underneath their coaching tree and go off and do great things in the NFL. But maybe maybe Campbell's that next one. I don't know. Yeah, he he very well could be. He very well could be. But let's move on. Uh, one of the most interesting and surprising news is that out there is there's two head coaches that currently don't have a job in Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick. How surprising is that, Smeltzy? Oh, extremely. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's already extremely surprising for Bill B to still be out there. Just uh, enough said, honestly. Mm. Maybe they just don't want him to come in and just like act like he needs to run the show. They just want him to be a head coach, and maybe he just... He wants more than that. Nobody's willing to give him that because he has interviewed, what, two different teams before they win a different direction? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I have two theories with that, right? I think you are exactly right. No owner wants to give up that much control. And I also think that next year is make or break for Mike McCarthy. Bill Belichick sits out this year, just kind of looks at sees everything. He's a consultant. He gets paid to consult in quotations for a team. Mike McCarthy, if the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl next year, is going to be gone. Bill Belichick slides into that Cowboys role. Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones are a match made in heaven. And what does Bill have to prove to coach this year? Uh, nothing. What does Bill have to prove to coach any time if he were to ever step foot on a coaching field? Uh, I mean, no, nothing. Do you do you no. think his interviews are just formality for him to like be like I'm putting my name out there, but I don't no. really want to go and coach or do anything. No, I don't think so because I don't think he would put his name in the hits Bill Belichick. If he doesn't want it, he's not going to go and do it. And I think that Atlanta was, uh, I was very, very surprised he's not in Atlanta. And who went to Atlanta again? Raheem Morris. And he's from? Uh, the Rams Ram? defensive yeah. coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. He was, he was on the Niners though. Yeah. Okay. Hm. Um, I mean, who's Atlanta, who's a better too. fit in Seattle right now as it stands? Obviously, we just talked about Seattle potentially being a out, you know, a bubble team. Let's just say a bubble team for the playoffs next year, no matter what, with the talent they have. Who's a better fit between Vrabel and Belichick, or do do neither one of them take that? Ben job? Johnson. He's he's out, yep. so not an option. So I yeah, that, that in my opinion, that's the best candidate for that position and what that team could use. You look at Belichick and you look at Vrabel; they're both defensive coaches. Now Belichick knows more about. He Belichick's forgotten more about offense than Rabel probably knows about defense, right? Let's uh, yeah think about that one. But it's uh it, like so Belichick knows his way around the offense and he would he'd be just fine. Um, I think the bigger issue there is the the amount of control. I think the big thing goes down to how much control Belichick's going to be allowed to have, how much he wants, and how much that owner's going to be willing to give up. But uh, to answer your question, Seattle, how how much do you think? Jerry Jones would give like control, like just to go on that really quick, then we should probably move on. But how how much control do you think Jerry Jones would give Bill Belichick if we're looking at a Bill Belichick led Cowboys in twenty twenty five? You know what the Cowboys are that very, very, very little teams, if not I'm now that Belichick's out of page the New England. You know what Cowboys don't have that every other team in the NFL does now that Belichick's out of New England? A GM. A general manager. Right. Bill Belichick doesn't have to have a general manager above him. He can oversee that role. He can coordinate and consult with Jerry Jones to be that GM, take on that role aspect of it without having it. It's almost the exact same situation as what he had in New England. And and I was going to say, do you think Jerry Jones would give up that a little bit of that power to like consult with him and like actually take his opinion into account? I guess at this point he probably would. The dude wants to win a freaking Super Bowl, so I'm I would bet he's all in. But it, I mean, they're committed to McCarthy, so for this for year, this year, 
If they don't win the Super Bowl, McCarthy's out. Simple as that. You think so? Super 100%. Bowl, or, Super Bowl, or lose your job? Hundred percent. What? What? It's it's Dallas, bro. Yeah. They got rid of Tom Landry. You've had three of the best. Jerry got yeah. rid of Tom yeah. Landry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Jerry don't care. Jerry's about winning and getting a Super Bowl back to Dallas. That's and he, all he and cares he's about. Given McCarthy the time, and they've done it in the regular season, but they Cowboys. can't get over that postseason hump. That's the Cowboys. Let's move on, sir. Um, we're going to end here. We're not going to touch on it too much. This is more a, uh, a a me segment here with the Packers currently having the D.C. defensive coordinator spot open. They've interviewed, you know, five or six guys at this point. It was kind of, who do I want to see go into that role? And there's, uh, surprisingly, we haven't really even been in the talks or looked at Wink Martindale. I would like that from an experience standpoint. However... I think in a perfect world, I'm not going to get a perfect world because Mike Vrabel's not going to come to Green Bay, right? Simply not going to happen. I'm I'm just joking more or less when I say that. But there is one really, really, really hot name out there right now for getting a lot of interviews even, and that is the Denver Broncos defensive back coach, Christian Parker. What he's done with that Denver secondary with a Jesse Simmons back or... Isaiah Simmons? No, Jesse no, Simmons. Not Isaiah. No, it's no. not Jesse Simmons. It's Simmons. It's uh, that's really Justin. Justin Simmons. Oh yeah, yeah. Duh. Justin Simmons, and then I mean, no, Pat Sertan was going to be good wherever, but what he's done to even help sculpt and mold him, and he's 32 years old, Smeltzy. He's young. He's bright. We're going to get somebody that's innovative. We have had these older coaches the past, however many coordinators you look at, Joe Barry, Mike Pettin. Um, old fella, Dom Capers. We haven't had anybody young that's in there. Look what happened when we hired a young head coach in Lafleur. It, it, it worked out pretty well. It's working out pretty well. Let's get a young defensive mind in there, someone that might give you that D'Amico Ryans type effect, and let's just make a finally a change that's not like the Packers. And I'm going to throw one name out there that I would hate that we would hire, and it's Brandon Staley. No, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Don't actually, yes, do that, do that, do that. My bad, I'm gonna change that. Yes, please do that. Um, but I know you joke about Vrabel, but with all the head coaching vacancies that are now filled, it is becoming less and less of a joke as a possibility. I don't think it will happen, but <laughs> he still doesn't have a job, and he will have a job. Before the season starts. But it, if he doesn't smelt it, he's not in the same realm as Belichick. But what does he have to prove? There's going to be a head coaching gig for him next year. I could very much see him being a consultant this year somewhere. Sure, sure. You, you know, could. I, I don't think he's as a guarantee. He, he's not as much of a guarantee to have a job at the start of next year as I think, as 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 you believe, I think. No, I, well, I, I don't know, dude. I He could. I'm curious to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Y- you may not think so, but that's, that's my stand. I think he'll have a job before... The start of the season. I hope he has a job in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm not saying a consultant role. I'm talking maybe some sort of coordinator role, or I guess if it's not a coordinator role, it would be some sort of analyst or consultant. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, that wraps up what we have for Tent Talk. We are going to move into my favorite segment of the week, your bonehead move of the week, presented by Smeltzy. Yes, yo, of course, Smeltzy with Bonehead of the Week, but uh, thanks for the intro. Um, but I'm a little 50-50 on this one, to be honest with you. Dan Campbell is, of course, our subject of Bonehead this week for probably some obvious reasons to some and not so obvious reasons to others. So I just kind of want to start it off. Like, what what did you see that kind of tripped maybe in your brain that it could, he could be a Bonehead this week? So this is one that I can see both sides making a pretty, pretty strong argument for the decisions, right? There's two decisions. One, I would say more important than the other, but in the grand scheme of it, those two decisions turned out to be pretty crucial, and that's not kicking a field goal when you're in field goal range and going for it. The big one, the end of the game. They were down three in field goal position. It was fourth and three. Goff threw it to Reynolds. Reynolds drops it. So I got something for you on that. Now, this is off of X, uh, some fella named Nate Atkins. So I don't know if these stats are correct, but this is interesting if they are. The Lions were 15 of 20, 75%, at converting fourth and three or fewer in the regular season, and they were two of two in the postseason. Michael Bagley, Badgley, is it Badgley or Bagley? I feel like it's Bagley, but I could be wrong. They're kicker, whatever. My bad, Michael. Was nine of 20, 45%, in his career from 48 plus yards 
worst among high volume kickers in NFL history. So the analytics in that moment in time tell you to go for it. Now, of course, us seeing in the MC North who Dan Campbell is and who he's shown to be all season long, dude's going for it. That's his identity. That is literally his identity. So I'm not, that's why I'm, that's why I'm 50, 50, kind of like on you, how you touched already. Like that's who he is. That's what he does. But in the playoffs like that in crunch time, it's situational football, right? So with the flow of the game and how the game's going, your offense hasn't done jack squat in the second half. You're in a position to score points. You just need to trust your defense to hold them. Worst case scenario to a field goal. It's a tie game with the field goal if the Lions would have kicked it. And we wouldn't be talking about this smelty if Reynolds didn't drop the ball. No, and for sure. For sure. So it was probably the right call. Maybe. It's, that's, that's the 50-50 It's so hard, part. though, because, I mean, is it the right call? They lost the game. So, of course, we're going to say no because hindsight's exactly. twenty twenty. You can always... It's always that way. Yeah, it's, it's just... If it's any other coach in the NFL, in the position that they're in, I'm almost positive. Well, hopefully LeFleur might not think this because of how bad Carlson's been. Um, <laughs> but they're kicking the ball, bro. Like, it's, yeah, the stats. He's a, whatever you said the percentages were for Bagley. It's Badgley. an NFC championship game. Like, it's, you're in That's a position you a to tie the, the game. You have a kicker. He's not a young guy. He's been in the league for a little bit, right? So, has he been in the playoffs? No. But... I don't know, man. You got to kick that ball. And like you said, the 49ers then went down and scored, scored a TD. Lions around scored a TD. So at that point, if that still, if those TDs still happen, they're tied then if they there's, make the field goal. There's so much time left, Melissa. There's still seven and a half minutes. So let's say he misses that field goal. 49ers get it at midfield. There's still seven and a half minutes for you to make a play. Yeah. You got to kick Which the ball Which you still right ended there. up doing. You still ended up scoring, going back down and scoring a touchdown. Yeah, so let's say you kick the field goal and everything did. happened that transpired at the end of the game. Like, you're tied with the Niners having the two-minute drill to go down and get a field goal or, with, or, or score. To, the Niners to score. Right? I like that. Those odds a lot better than, you know, hopefully getting that fourth down. And then at the end of the day, you're trying to get a touchdown over a field goal and you take the lead. Yeah, you take off more time on the clock. So there is advantages to doing it. And like you said, it's Dan Campbell. It's who he's proven to be. He's not going to change. And it, as if I'm in Dan Campbell's shoes with who he is, you got to go for it because that's what you've shown your team you're going to do. And that's right? just it, right? The players are bought into it, right? And it's, and I hate to even bring it up, but it's a momentum thing too. If you get that first down, holy crap. Now you're feeling great. Now you're, now you're really moving. You already moved it down the field. Now you're in control, only down three with a chance to continue the drive and score TD. Now, if you don't get it, Dude, huge momentum killer. Boom, you see the Niners turn around and score a TD. I'm a huge believer in the momentum of the game. And ultimately, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think he made the right call. It's just tough. It's just tough. We're, this is going to be a debate all offseason, you know, most likely. But again, hindsight's 20-20. You're always like, oh, I should have kicked the field goal. Now, if you kick the field goal and still lose the game, oh, I should have went for it to try to go for that touchdown. It's the same, it's the same deal. No, so exactly. he stuck to his identity, and I got to respect it. Yeah, for sure. And like, and and I hope he doesn't change from this. Stay who you are. Like, keep doing it, man. Like, it's it's worked for you. It's worked for you, and that's why you're going to keep doing. It, and that's why you did it, right? It's not like this was just some anomaly that he decided he's going to go for it in this situation. Everybody knew he was going to go for it, right? And that's just it. We've seen it in the NFL as a whole the last few seasons, but Dan Campbell specifically is really. I guess mastering it. I mean, if those stats are real for the regular season, that's pretty nice. Yeah, most certainly. Most certainly. Most certainly. But, you know, in terms of uh, we didn't have much for the bonehead segment this week, but and that kind of takes the cake about the only thing that's... I mean, we got the best of the best going at it. There's not many people, you know, other than players need to stay under control of their emotions, Who, no matter who you are. That's it, man. Like, there's a number of different things that happen. Uh Real quick, just before we move on, did you happen to see the, uh, not even scuffle, spat, whatever, the Justin Tucker and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey exchange pregame? That was so, like, elementarily Isn't hilarious. So petty, dude? And and uh, I actually uh, read an article about Justin Tucker, and he's like, dude, I, I didn't really care. It was kind of funny than anything, but, like, I've done the same thing for 12 years with zero issue before. 
So it was just kind of bogus. To yeah, me. he came out and he said it was like, yeah, I thought there was just really some care. game and shit, but they seem to be taking it a lot more serious than me. Yes, exactly. Like, let's be honest. Justin Tucker could wake up at 1147, drive 11 minutes to get to the game, just happens to be in his uniform and go kick a 62-yarder without any issue. Yeah, he's fine, dude. The last thing he needs is to warm up. Yeah, but so that's why it probably just didn't matter to him, but I just thought it was funny, and I I would agree with him, like... Mahomes and Kelsey took it like way more serious than, than he was. Yeah, it was, so it was, just, it was obviously just funny, petty stuff. Nothing really came of it. Obviously, I haven't heard Mahomes or Kelsey even address it yet. You won't, which is fine. They won I, the game. It's just, it's just funny. Yeah, they won't. But just like, dude, come on, man. You're one of the HOF kicker, man. He's just he's just warming up. Leave yeah. him alone, bro. Yeah. He was in the middle of the hashes too. He's not bugging you. He's yeah, just he's not over. interrupting nothing. And, and the middle of the hash is for the NFL. I can't remember the yardage, but it's pretty narrow. Yeah. So he's not, he's literally in the middle of the field, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, so whatever. That's hilarious. But I just had to mention that. See if yeah, you saw most that. Most certainly. Most certainly. <laughs> all righty. Well, that's all we have for the bonehead move of the week this week. We have a little lapse in football here this week, Smeltzy. It's been a long time. Now, I mean, we do have the Pro Bowl, but I wouldn't yeah, say that's some football. Flag football. Yeah. No, that's not yeah, football. Flag football and dodgeball and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as we all know, in two weeks, the granddaddy of them all played in Las Vegas this year. The Chiefs will be taking on the 49ers. The 49ers are the early early betting um, favorite, coming in as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And a um, little bit on the surprising side, the over-under at this one at 47-and-a-half. Now, these are the opening lines. Expect that to change as the week kind of progresses going into next week. We'll see what happens with injuries. Not that there's a lot that really should affect it, um, but I like it. You know, one and a half points, basically a pick em. So it, it's I, I just think we're in for a real good game of football. And that over-under is kind of tough. I, I could, ah, that's tough. Because it could go either way for me. I, I feel like I would take the under here, but I, I don't know because... I figured that would be the same as last Super Bowl, and last year's Super Bowl blew up in that second half and was going off. So I, I don't really know. I'm taking the over 100% That's all day tough, on this man. one. You know, so how I look at it is I take that over under and I divide it by two. For the sake of it, let's round up and make yeah. it 48. So you got 24 24. Mm-hmm. Like this Niners offense, the way it's kind of rolling right now, and if the, the that weapons Chiefs they defense have, with how it's kind of rolling right now. Yeah, see, I did, but I, even if I, were to, if I were to have to like predict a score on this one, I see it as like a 28 24 game. Okay, so it's just over Maybe that. Maybe 28, 27. It's just right? over that mark then. Okay. Exactly. That's fair. Exactly. That's fair. Looking at it like that, like, that's fair. I got you. Or even like a 31, 28. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I feel you. Um, but we were going to get a lot more into this game, break it down a lot more oh, yeah, for next week. Don't you worry. Oh, we, we're going to come <laughs> at you full force. We're also going to do some uh, recapping of the NFL honors. See who took home some hardware this year with a little bit of wrinkle, a little bit of our own rewards going to get and thrown in there as well. should have took home some hardware? Yeah, and who should have? We're probably going to be a heavy debate here with the end. Well, we're kind of on the same page with MVP, I think. But in terms of who Maybe. we think and who we sh- is, should deserve it, Maybe. might be a little off base there. But um, but as always, Smeltzy, it was a pleasure, my brother. Like, comment, subscribe for you guys listening at home, on the road, on the plane, in a boat, wherever you may be. Just please give us the support. We love it all. We will see you guys next week. Skull. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe. Tune in next time for more banter with the boys.